Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, August 15th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I'm just going to put it out there right up front that we're recording this episode a little bit in advance because I'm going on vacation and we thought, you know, we can't possibly <laughs> let our listeners go without the podcast for a week. And, and you know, there's just a lot going on. So we figured we'd continue uh, to, to, you know, roll wiretaps out there, but to do a little bit of advanced recording. So if something massive has happened in the MBA admission space and it's not captured in this episode, it's because we're probably recording it before it happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A week before. <laughs> Yeah. So what's been going on, though? Uh, we've got deadlines coming up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, we're like weeks away now from some of the big deadlines. Yeah, we're two weeks away from the, the, um, the beginning of round one deadlines, early decision deadlines from top programs. And, and again, as we discussed briefly on, on, on last week's episode, uh, your, your, Europe schools, well, non-US schools, um, seem to be leading the march a little bit this season. Um, beginning August 31st with Oxford. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's only two weeks away. Fantastic. I know. Yeah. So exciting. And I know that um, I like to think that the podcast is a good way <laughs> to procrastinate. Like if you're, if you're writing your essays, but you need a break, you can tune into the podcast and chances are you're going to still pick up some tidbits of knowledge that might impact your essays. So I think this is a fair way to procrastinate, like as opposed to, you know, doing something that's totally unrelated. So, so if you're listening and you should be writing, you know. Yeah, a fair way to procrastinate, a fair way to start panicking. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the big news that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is just the launch of Clear Admit Plus. I won't say anything else about that other than that you can sign up and join Clear Admit Plus by going to bit.ly forward slash Clear Admit Plus, and that's all spelled out, all lowercase. Uh, and again, it's just our subscription service, and uh, it, it, a lot of great exclusive content to help you navigate the admissions process. Uh, Alex, we've been talking about this, but Clear Admit, over on the website, we've been publishing these real numbers of MBA admissions. And we do this, I guess this is the second year that we're doing it. And I love these because we get to kind of put all the schools next to each other and do kind of apples to apples comparisons. The latest one that came out at least at the time of this recording, is we did just percentage international. And I, I just pulled out some stats because I thought it was kind of interesting to see that a school like Stanford, um, alongside, say, Columbia Business School, have uh, 47% for Stanford and 48% for Columbia uh, percentage international students in their programs. Uh, what's interesting to me about that is that you know, obviously we're getting towards half, um, so almost half the student body is, is international. But then when you look at Harvard and Wharton, two other kind of top programs, and even um, Kellogg, which is in that batch as well, those schools all have around 36 to 37 percent. And so I wanted to just ask you, and I, I, don't, I don't have the answer, but I was just curious if you had any, like, gut feelings about what's driving that? Like, because those are kind of substantial differences. You know, you have a school like Stanford, almost half of the student body is international, whereas Harvard, we're much closer to kind of a, you know, 37%, right? So a little more than a third. So it's a, kind of a difference. Yeah, it is actually quite puzzling. I mean, on the one hand, um, you, you know, you, when you look at international students um, within the context of U.S. programs, you could say, well, Actually, some of those international students are from countries that make them overrepresented, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd put India, uh, China, um, basically in those buckets. 
and, and yeah, a couple, a, a couple of other countries. And then all the other countries are sort of underrepresented. Um, so I'd love to know the makeup um, within the international student body of, 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 of these folks. Yeah. Because quite frankly, yeah, it would be easy to increase your um, international student representation if you, if you, um, you know, we're, we're a little bit more generous in, in admitting the overrepresented folks, right. but then that potentially um, dulls some of the diversity in the classroom, right? So, yeah. so is it? These are interesting data points to which I don't really have an answer to because I don't think Stanford deliberately over admits on um, overrepresented no. um, um, folks from overrepresented countries. So, so that doesn't make sense for them. Um, so, yeah, I don't know the answer to that, Graham. Yeah, and I also, I mentioned to you before we came on air, I, I was kind of thinking about how, oh, I wonder if it's, you know, some of it's driven by location. So, you you know, I noticed, like, so, for example, you know, Stanford's in the Bay Area, uh, Columbia, New York City. It could be that those markets are really appealing to international candidates from all over the world and that maybe there's more volume coming into schools uh, that, that are in those kinds of, you know, locations. But... I don't know. It's a bit tenuous because Chicago is a big market and and they're still sitting more in the kind of 36% with Kellogg, 39% with Booth. The other thing I did notice, too, is I wondered about reputation, Uh, although I don't know, it doesn't always stick. But Yale has 44% international. And I thought, oh, maybe they have a good number of international students because the university or the parent institution is so well known the world over that it's a draw. It, yeah, it's puzzling to me. I mean, it's kind of fun to noodle on this stuff, though. Yeah, I have a couple of quick answers. One is actually, I think your insight is is on the mark. New York and, and Silicon Valley being the you know very attractive uh, markets for international students. So yeah. you might actually just hit the nail on the head there. But you also look at Stanford and Yale. Um, yes, Yale, its its reputation of its institution. Um, absolutely fantastic, does draw um, in international folks. But they're also smaller programs. And with smaller programs, it's a little bit easier to engineer a, a sort of a high representation if that's what you want to do. So mm-hmm. may, maybe it's multiple factors all sort of dialing in. But yeah. there's no doubt international students are going to find New York City more attractive than Philadelphia, Graham, even though I know you love Philadelphia. (laughs) I do love Philadelphia, but yeah, no, I totally get it. So um, in any event, that's over on the website. If you want to look at the stats for any other program, because we only covered a handful of them, I think they're like 30 or 40, you know, programs where we have all that data. So you can look at that. And the whole series is interesting. You can look at percent women. We've looked at average GMAT scores, GRE, all that stuff. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention uh, before we get into the wiretaps candidates for this week is that uh, literally this Wednesday, August 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're doing an event which is basically a real humans event. We're going to bring some of the folks that we've profiled in the past on the website who are alums of these top MBA programs and who are working. Uh, they're going to come on and talk about the path into their careers and how they got their jobs. And I, I know we have somebody from Microsoft. I think they're a Columbia Business School grad. We've got somebody who's over at Deloitte uh, who went to Emory. And I think there's some more. And, and you know the details are still forthcoming. But you can sign up by just going to bit.ly forward slash real humans webinar 
all one word, all lowercase. So yeah, join us for that. That's the first event that we're doing of that nature, but we realize that prospective students have a lot to gain by interacting with alums from these programs and really just picking their brains on the career paths they followed and how the MBA you know, kind of set them up for that. So that should be fun. Uh, I'm not emceeing it. Uh, Mike on our team, I think, is emceeing that one. So, uh, But it should be a lot of fun and people should join it. And then the other thing is, is that we've got events during the month of September. We're literally like a month away now from another wave of events with leading MBA programs, September 14th, 21st, and 28th. It's like four or, or sorry, three consecutive Wednesdays. And we're going to sit down with Wharton, Chicago, Berkeley, Columbia, Carnegie Mellon, Duke. I mean, the list is long. NCLBS, Dartmouth. Uh, it's a long list of schools that are joining us for those events. And we're going to, again, be talking about essays and um, application strategy. And, and those should be fun. And, and I think those are a bit more geared towards people who are thinking about round two because uh, they're, the, you know, the events are falling in some cases after the first round deadlines. Um, but those should be fun. We do those every year as well. And very similar to what we've done back in July. So looking forward to that. No, fantastic. Only three events, not four though, Graham. Is, is, is less schools represented? Have you hooked in Harvard yet? No, we don't have Harvard. Uh, I, in fact, I, I still need to actually talk to, to Chad about that. Uh, cause I know that I said I was going to ask him and I just never got around to talking to him, but, uh, it is, yeah, we do three, we've always done just three events. And in fact, I think this summer we did four events in July because there was too much demand. And so we had to spread them out over the four. But yeah, I think we just, whatever, for whatever reason, we're just doing three in, in the fall. So, right. uh, and there'll be more to come. We're, we're doing more and more events. So stay, stay tuned on that. Uh, and I have, I have to say congratulations to you, the events that you've just wrapped, wrapped up because the attendance has been absolutely phenomenal as it was last year i think but in the yeah. hundreds um yeah. at each of these events and i think that really augurs well for the style of event that you you host and you know the the feedback that we get not only from from candidates that attend but from the adcom too that i think they appreciate the different style of event yeah no schools have been really like yeah heaping the praise saying that they're like hands down the best virtual events that they take part in so yeah. um, other than probably their own events that are solo or whatever but they they like coming with us so um it's been a lot of fun uh one other thing i wanted to just say thank you to those of you listening on spotify i noticed the other day that we've already had like 55 ratings come through on spotify which i hadn't been paying close attention to and we have a five-star rating so um that's terrific and i appreciate anyone who's tuned in on spotify i know you can't write a review on that platform like you can on Apple. So we recognize that, yeah, just rating us is probably the best you can do, but we'll take, we'll take the ratings. So please uh, don't forget to rate if you are listening uh, and, and review if you're on other platforms that allow for that. Alex, I don't have anything else. Do you uh, want to get into our candidates for this week? Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So this candidate comes from ApplyWire, and they want to start school uh, next fall, so they're applying now. The schools on their list are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. They've been working in growth equity, I believe investing in technology businesses, and post-MBA, they'd like to actually pivot and work for a tech company. Their GMAT score is a 750, what we would call a great big GMAT. (laughs) Uh, The GPA is a 3.29, 
they've got five years of work experience located in New York, but are looking to shift and work out west in San Francisco after business school. They mentioned that their undergrad was in economics and it was pursued at an Ivy League institution. Again, it was a 3.29. They uh, did stipulate that, yeah, they want to pivot from software investing to working for an e-commerce brand. And they're hoping to get into kind of a strategy or operations or even a chief of staff type role at one of those firms. In the long term, they want to start their own business, presumably in tech. And as far as extracurriculars are concerned, they're very involved with a national women's nonprofit. Uh, they also founded their own nonprofit, and it's active and apparently having high impact. And their concerns and why they posted to ApplyWire are really largely around the GPA and just whether it kind of impacts things and whether the GMAT, you know, maybe kind of sets it, sets it off. And so, Alex, I'll turn it over to you. We had some back and forth with this candidate on the website, but what, what, what do you make of all this? Yeah, I mean, there's some real highlights here that schools are going to be very sort of favorable toward. Um, just from a profile standpoint, a female candidate with 750 on the GMAT, I mean, a great big GMAT, um, that's got to be very good. A couple of promotions at work, um, so presumably they're showing a good track record at work, can show impact and, and, and growth at work. Um, and, and having high impact in the extracurriculars is really um, very, very good. That will help them further stand out. Um, and, you know, the way that that sort of all ties together, you're thinking, yes, this candidate, absolutely top draw, um, should be targeting the very, um, very best. Um, but let's break it down just a little bit because it's not all complete glory at this point. Um, <laughs> no. You know, you look at that 750 GMAT, absolutely fantastic. Um, but as we've sort of come to understand better, Graham, um, she did really well on the verbal side of the GMAT, yeah. um, got a 46. Um, and if you, if you do drive a really high verbal score, that really sort of inflates your GMAT score overall. It's very good. Um, um, but on the quant side, I mean, she's got a 47, but that percentile score will be lower than the verbal score. So even though in the absolute score on the quant side is higher, the percent score, um, where, where it sits relative to other test takers, is going to be lower. Um, that, in conjunction with a couple of grades in their undergrad um, on, on sort of econ side or whatever it might be, that might be sort of B, C pluses, um, might raise a little bit of a concern. All I would say to that is just do MBA math. Just do it, do it well, and and show that there's absolutely no concern and the readiness is right there. There's not much else she can do about it, but I, I think she should do that. It might have no lift impact, if that's what you want to call it, but it's certainly not going to have any negative impact. So I, I would do that if I was this, can, this candidate. Um, and yeah. I really like the fact that she's high impact in, in her extracurriculars. Um, we don't know what they are. I'd like to know a little bit more about um, the, the one that she set up that's still active and high impact, um, the, the nonprofit she set up herself. Um, because I'm really, you know, what is the, what means most to you and why answer to that question for Stanford, because that's a program she's targeting. I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. That would be very good. 
Um, she wants to move into work for an e-commerce brand um, as, as a short-term um, post-MBA goal, pivoting from software investing, um, mm-hmm. and then to start her own company. I'd like to know a little bit more about what's triggering that pathway. Um, and, you know, anyone can say they want to start their own company, but what is it about what they've experienced in, in life to date, professionally, personally, that makes them believe they're set up to do that, gives them the passion to want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And it could be something to do with founding the extracurricular uh, nonprofit that she's, she's, she, she's founded. But I'd, I'd just like to know more about that, because quite frankly, Graham, yes, this could be a top draw candidate if she can just overcome that. Um, slightly lower GPA, couple of maybe slightly lower grades in, in, in some of that coursework. Yeah, I think we're in agreement. I think the thing that jumped out at me was that, you know, on the surface, the 750, the solid work experience, you know, really strong extracurriculars potentially. And, you know, she's, she's got a good career plan. Uh, female, so a little bit underrepresented in the pool. I, all that stuff you would say, oh, you know, going to go to a top school. And the only thing I would say is I would draw a distinction between the candidates who make the cut at, you know, the kind of trilogy, you know, the sort of Harvard, Stanford, Wharton versus the rest of the top programs. And I think sometimes those candidates just have a little extra something special. And that's not to say that just because she has a 329 and some, you know, frankly, mediocre grades in business relevant courses like Calc and and stats that she's not going to get in. Um, But I just want to make sure that she knows that she's really going to need to tell a good story with respect, like you said, to this sort of career pivot that she's looking to engineer and and then the longer term plan. And I think she's going to need to, you know, make sure that the impact in that extracurricular uh, nonprofit, as you said, you know, stands out because she's going to need some kind of, you know, the great candidates who make the cut at the very, very top schools have a certain degree of spark um, in the file. And so I think it's very possible. And I, and I think she has a good list of targets and they make sense for her geography and, and everything else that she's looking to to pull off here. But I just want to make sure that that she knows she's going to have to put some effort into, you know, spinning the story and and being as compelling as possible uh, but I, again, I think it's totally doable with a strong application strategy. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and like you say, she's targeting Haas, Stanford, um, Columbia, Harvard and, and Wharton. If she was going to look at one other school, Graham, what would she be looking at? Boy, I would say Kellogg because yeah. tech placements and maybe, you know, slightly larger class size. So one of the things that's interesting with Berkeley, which, you know, Berkeley often ranks behind some of these M7 schools, right? But they have a tiny class and a very low acceptance rate. And I think some of that's because there's an in-state thing happening with the tuition. And so they get a lot of applications. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say Kellogg is probably the one that comes to mind. I mean, MIT is another, but, you know, she wants to land in California. Kellogg has a really large alumni network out there too. So any of it, that's what I would say. Yeah. Is that what you told her? I can't remember if you, if you also recommend it. No, no, no. Okay. I, I, I just think, you know, <laughs> she's got a small list, so she might have room to add another. Yeah. And she could see how the chips fall, I guess. It's yeah. not like she has to race and get it all in, in the first round. So Correct. anyway, yes. okay. Excellent. Well, I want to thank her for submitting and for answering. I asked her like a whole bunch of questions when I posted back to her and she was very kind to reply. So yeah, hopefully these tips help propel her forward. Do you know what she revealed by in her replies? No, other than that she's female, because I think I asked that. 
she's she's not a clear admit plus subscriber, Graham. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, not every candidate can be perfect, Alex. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Just throwing so, that out there. <laughs> all right. So uh, I want to thank her for posting. And yeah, good luck as she works on these applications. Let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another candidate targeting the fall of 23. Six schools are on the target list, and those schools are Harvard, ESA, INSEAD, UChicago, Penn, well, Wharton, as we also say, and Yale. Uh, They have been working in consulting and turnaround investing, and they're interested post-MBA in consulting, but also in venture capital and private equity. The GMAT score is a 730. Uh, The GPA is a 3.1 and they've got five years of work experience. This candidate is located in Hungary, and that's where they went to school um, for undergrad, where they have that 3-1. They also studied finance and accounting as an undergrad, and I I, I don't think we've heard back from them in terms of, we've asked them the question about what was the caliber of this institution, all that stuff, but for now, that's what we know, 3-1, and they went to school in Hungary. They also have a one-year master's in management, which they pursued from Cass Business School in London, which is now actually, the name has changed, it's called Bayes. Um, That's right in in central London. And so they have this master's in management. They did not tell us what their grades were in that master's. So I I did ask them and maybe we'll get a response in the coming days. Um, They did a couple years at Roland Berger, which is one of the, you know, kind of a pretty popular or well-known strategy consultancy in Europe albeit smaller um, than some of the big names, but it's a, it's a good firm. Uh, and now they're uh, a finance manager at a partly family-owned small manufacturing company. Uh, so that's kind of the background. I mean, one of the things that they were asking us about is whether they're barking up the right tree in terms of their target schools and they're worried about maybe that GPA and, and even just their profile. So Alex, you weighed in first on the post as you almost always <laughs> do, but what do you make of this candidate? Well, again, there's lots to like here. Um, we talked earlier about percent international students at top MBA programs and, you know, some some of those um, countries being overrepresented and some being underrepresented. And I think certainly Hungary would fit in that underrepresented um, pile. Yeah. So so this would be the type of candidate that... that um, you know, top programs will will be seeking out and, and figuring out how they can admit them and so on and so forth. Just from that perspective, um, add to that the 730 GMAT, add to that um, what, what appears to me anyway to be pretty interesting work experience, doing a bit of the consulting route and then going directly into um, industry, um, you know, family related, but into industry before coming to business school. So from that sort of overarching sort of theme, um, I think this, this, this candidate is barking up the right tree. Um, what we don't have as good a sense on is the undergraduate record, the 3.1. Um, we'd really like to know what the class rank is, um, as we do tend to um, want to know from, from um, you know, most international um, um, students, because again, usually their GPAs don't convert um, right. relative to, to their US counterparts. So that'd be interesting. They did an MS in management. You had that question, you know, making sure that they come across as someone that could really need the MBA um, and not become a bit of a d- degree collector. So, so making sure they're able to distinguish 
and their goal for their MBA and the MBA itself versus what they've already done. Um, that'd be very good. Um, so, um, so, so the, there's all that. The, the other thing that sort of strikes me a little bit is, do they have any focus on where they want to be um, post-MBA? Because, I mean, their list of target programs either uh, signals one of two things. Either they're, they're going to return to Hungary and they're just looking for the best program around the world to get them back to Hungary, or they have no idea where they want to be. So they're spreading their their, um, their their apps across the US and Europe. So be quite interested to learn a little bit more about um, that aspect. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, judging from the list of schools, it seems like if they go to the States, it's East Coast. And so maybe they're thinking they'd want to land on the East Coast. I mean, they have Chicago on the list, but that's the furthest West that they go. And then the other two, you know, the European programs are in Spain and France. So yeah, I, I, it'd be good to know. And we did ask these questions and they haven't come back to us yet. But I, I feel like what I'm hoping they're going to say is, well, actually, I converted the GPA myself. The scale is a little bit different in Hungary. And, and I was in the top 20% of my class with that with those marks or yeah. whatever it might be. Or, or I went to the best school in Hungary for um, undergraduate business studies. And in my master's at CAS or, or Bayes, I, I, you know, whatever, I had, you know, a, a first class honors, or I, I don't know what the, what the grading system is, um, for the, the program in that case, but it'd be good to hear that they've done well academically. Uh, and, and that would probably comfort the target schools as well in terms of, you know, as they're reviewing the file, but yeah, I, I like the profile and I think there's a lot of potential, obviously, you know, be good to know about outside activities and, and all that stuff, because that rounds out the candidacy and, and we don't have any information on that. But again, there's a lot to like, as you as you would say um, here. And I, I do think, you know, the beauty of someone coming from an underrepresented market like Hungary, but working for a known quantity like Roland Berger, at least for the first two years of their career, is that it's sort of level sets. So you can take the risk on bringing, you know, someone in from a country that's maybe not a, t- a typical feeder country, but know that, oh, they've worked at a company that we've you know taken many people from over the years across the globe, and, and they're going to be good. So I think they're in a really good position in that respect. And, and again, GMAT score is solid. And so I, I feel like absolutely they are barking up the right tree in terms of target schools. Yeah. Uh, just one more quick comment on, on this one, Graham. Their goals is, um, they say, after the MBA, I want to work in restructuring consulting. Um, or private equity venture capital with larger, more complex projects. What is the answer to that question? You mean which one they should do? I mean, yeah. I, I would think that starting with consulting would be the smarter route only because it's harder to get in to yeah. VC and NPE, particularly if you don't, I mean, they don't have a finance background. They have kind of a consulting background. I mean, they studied finance and they're working in a kind of finance role, but they're not a banker. And so... Yeah, I would argue start with consulting. Obviously, when they get to business school, they can do whatever they want. But I feel like the storyline might be better if the short term is to, you know, maybe they trade up and go to an MBB type firm. And then from there, um, maybe they talk about wanting to either take on an operating role at a, at a client company or, or getting into private equity or something. Yeah. I think all that's reasonable. Yeah, makes sense to me. All right. So I want to thank that person for submitting their profile. Um, and also, we had a three-star commenter chime in and give them some good advice, too. So... Um, yeah, I think, uh, or actually, no, I think that's on, maybe that's on the next one. I wanted yeah. to just call out that we had a three-star commenter who kind of emerged from the past to kind of leave some comments over the last few days. So in any event, let's move on and talk about that very post. And that is wiretaps candidate number three. 
So this is an interesting entry that we got on Applywire because the person just listed one school as a target and they're applying for next fall and that school is Columbia. And I think the reason they listed one school is because they're applying early decision. They've actually just submitted their application. Uh, I believe they worked in banking and um, maybe venture capital prior to business school and they're thinking about doing more NGO type work and related to climate finance in, in particular after business school. They have a GMAT score of 760, so almost sort of an off-the-charts result there. 3.6 GPA, they've got four years of work experience, and they are applying from Brazil. Uh, they would love to land in New York after business school, and so Columbia, not a bad, not a bad place to apply with that in mind. So they mentioned that they did four years of experience in banking, um, and, and I guess, I don't know, Alex, how to understand this, and, and we had a little bit of dialogue with them, but it seems like they want to pivot into climate finance i mean it's it's unclear to me i, I guess that must be the case because they did they've got four years of experience and they say four years in banking so they're looking to pivot into climate finance presumably after business school uh also as a fun tidbit they represented brazil in youth olympics for swimming uh and you know so <laughs> they have kind of an interesting outside activity i guess they're probably still a swimmer uh there's one other wrinkle, but before we talk about this other wrinkle, which they asked us a question about that I think is fascinating, I just wanted your take on the candidacy generally, and then we can get into this kind of uh, left field thing that happened to them as they were going through the application process. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, Graham, this is a, a candidate from Brazil, investment banking, um, very solid GPA, 3.6. What I mean, that, that, that's got to be um, um, good. And a 760 GMAT, I mean, you know, again, the testing culture in that part of the world is not the same as it is in, in North America. So a 760 coming out of Brazil is typically going to be um, perceived, um, you know, by the outcome as being super, super strong. Um, so, so, so you would think that the, the basic, you know, the basics that we know from this profile look very, very strong. Anytime you talk about the Olympics in relation to a candidate, that all, that's always going to help. So Youth Olympics, I suppose, is, 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 is going to help them too. Um, so yeah, on the surface, reading this, um, they're applying Columbia early decision. So they're telling Columbia um, through, through, through that um, venue that, you know, they're, they're committed to, to, to attending. Although, I mean, if you've listened to wiretaps long enough, you'll probably hear me rant about that <laughs> process. Um, and I'll continue to do so because I think it's quite unfair. But nevertheless, um, everything on the surface looks good to me, Graham. Very good, I should say. Not just good. Yeah, I mean, you tell me about a Brazilian candidate with a 760, 3.6 and, you know, four years of iBanking and, yeah, an early decision. I mean, this is kind of a home run for, for Colombia, I think, to snatch them off the board before other programs might, you know, be able to grab them. And so, I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to like. I even think the goals are, you know, aspirational and interesting. And, uh, yeah, so, and, and I think that we did get, we had a comment on the post from one of the regular community, you know, one of our community members who's a three-star member who basically seemed to say that, you know, this pivot from uh, investment banking, you know, into like climate finance is is very much, you know, doable. And, and you were saying to me before we began recording that you think, you know, 
climate finance is going to be kind of a big deal (laughs) Uh, and already it, I mean, look at what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, there's a lot, (laughs) a lot happening in that domain. So it's pretty warm in Paris right now, Graham, right? Weren't you complaining before we came on air? It's about 40 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, if everyone's going to get air conditioning, they're going to have to somehow (laughs) find, uh, you know, find ways to, um, yeah, well, there's kind of, you know, energy slash climate slash finance. There's a lot going on in this domain. So in any event, I think we're both in agreement hundred percent. This person is kind of a home run that will probably get snatched up by Columbia, but, and this is the kind of interesting thing. And I presume why you picked them. They mentioned in their comment that, uh, I'll just read it out here because it's interesting. She said, or he said, I don't know if it's a he or she, uh, curious also on how Adcom interprets interaction with current students. I did not have a positive interaction with a current student who did not seem impressed with my work experience and fit from his point of view. Will they file a negative report stating this about me? And does that go again, or does my nonprofit experience go against me? So I guess they have had some nonprofit experience too, but anyway. What, what do you make of that? Because this is the main question is, you know, you, you reach out to a student, you have a conversation and it doesn't go well. It sounds like the student was not keen on this person's candidacy, didn't think they were a good fit. What happens? I mean, when you were in admissions at Wharton, did students come in and say, hey, Alex, look out for this person if they apply? I had a horrible conversation with them. Like what, what happens in this case? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to know the, 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 the detail of the interaction because, yeah, sure, why not? At Wharton, we would take... Um, commentary from from students. There would be a sp- specific process that they could complete. Um, oh yeah, green sheets. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> either recommending. Mostly, it's yeah. recommending folks. It's not not not. It's very few and far between. Do we get a, a negative um, um, commentary coming in? It's mostly because folks want to support someone that they know that works at their firm that they just came from or or whatever yeah. it might be. So I'd really love to know the nature of this interaction because. You know, on the one hand, you know, I mean, I hate to say this because this candidate probably is completely humble and completely um, absolutely fantastic um, human being. But if they came across as, look, I've got a 760G map, I've got this great um, set of experience, I've got, you know, I was an Olympic athlete, I've this, that and the other. Um, what do you think of my chances? I think I would be a little bit, oh, all right, you've got to back off, with, you know, ease back a little bit and be a little bit more <laughs> humble and let's get along first sort of, sort of, sort of thing. So, um, I mean, I, I assume that that's not the case, but being humble um, is, is a really important facet of, of anybody's personal qualities. Um, if we want to get along in this world, in business school, Adcom are, are, are certainly very keen on that. So, so just making sure, and especially, you know, as they, well, they've actually submitted their application, I think, for early decision. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully they get an interview invite and through that interview process, they come across as being, being humble. And, and hopefully that's not the issue in the first place. Yeah. The other thing to, to consider is um, what, what's really important for Columbia when they get a really high profile candidate um, is um, fit and really convincing Colombia why Colombia is definitely the place that they they want to be and should be. Um, so they've got to make sure that, that that part of the narrative really rings true um, and so forth. So maybe the student was questioning a little bit more, well, why Colombia? You, you're clearly going to be applying to Harvard and 
and and Wharton or whatever. Mm. So you know you got to do a better job of that piece of the, the the puzzle. Yeah, that might be it, Grant. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I will say I think that the chances are very high that nothing comes of this. I think yeah. you know uh, current students talk to lots of prospective candidates, and unless there was a real negative interaction like with someone you know a shouting match or something really terrible i don't think it makes its way to the admissions office i think if this is just a student saying oh you know i, I don't think your goals really fit with columbia or you know okay yeah you know or, or just seeming unimpressed by this person's background that's not going to go anywhere further than that conversation so i would not lose sleep over this and i mean frankly there's not much they could do anyway so i think they you know they've submitted their file they'll see where the chips fall you do raise another issue, though, which is, you know, do you think there's a chance that they could end up being pushed into the regular decision round only because, you know, a, a school might think, well, is, are they, you know, are they, do they really want early decision? Are they looking going to look at other programs? And I think some of that will just come down to how this candidate did in convincing Columbia of their interest and, and knowledge of the program and, and why it's the perfect fit. And they'll have another chance, hopefully, to do that in the interview which they will conduct, you know, presumably with an alum in their region. So, yeah, I, again, I think this candidate's going to get in. I think it's not a not a question. And, and you know, I, I do think they could also um, very easily get into a place like Wharton or, or maybe even Harvard or others, you know. So um, I don't know what their plans are, but... I think, I, think that's, I think that's what the Columbia student thinks, too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. So in any event, we'll see where the chips fall. Hopefully they'll keep us posted. I do wonder, I mean, they only have that one school on the list. I wonder if they do have a strategy to apply to some others as well. But, you know, they just listed the one for now because it's the only one that they're kind of in, in process with. But in any event, um, yeah, that's kind of the background. I, I do want to thank this person for sharing their profile and, and for sharing kind of an interesting question. You know, and I will say, as a rule, any interaction you have with anyone tied to a school you're applying to should be taken um, cautiously. You know, you, you don't want to be the, the jerk in the room. Like you don't want to monopolize an admissions officer's time in an event. You don't want to waltz into the, um, you know, uh, reception area at your business school that you're visiting and, and not treat all staff with utmost respect. I mean, cause this stuff does find a way of, <laughs> of nipping you, uh, in the, you know what, when you, <laughs> when you, when you make, make a misstep. So I, I do want to mention that that is important, but I don't think that this interaction sounds like it rose to that kind of level level of, you know, no. remarkable, you no. know, it's, it's kind of unremarkable. So in any event, um, Alex, thanks for doing this as always for picking out more and more <laughs> great candidates to discuss. Uh, we'll be back again in one week's time to do it all over again. So thanks Alex. And I'll see you then. Very good. Best of luck, everyone. Take care.